Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Scarlet and Gray podcast. I am Tyler Johnson. I am joined by Nick Lazier and Jordan Dalton. Gentlemen, it's finally here. Week one is finally approaching us. How are you guys doing tonight? Getting over this sickness. Thanks a lot, Nick. Bro, I'm hyped, man. Let's go. It's finally week one. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm pumped. It's It's been a while coming. We finally get Ohio State football back. And before we get into the show tonight, guys, remember that Network 216 and the Scarlet and Gray podcast is proud to be partners of Underdog Fantasy. And right now, you guys only have about less than two weeks to sign up for Best Ball Mania 3 for your chance at winning $10 million in prizes. But you have to use code 216 to double your first deposit up to $100. That's code 216. And remember, you get to draft your team against other people. You don't have to deal with a salary cap like with FanDuel and DraftKings. You get to draft your team live. So be sure to do that. Again, you have less than a week and a half to do so. Make sure you go to Best Ball Mania 3 on Underdog Fantasy. Guys, before we really get into our game preview for tonight, I want to talk about a topic that has really been bothering a lot of Ohio State fans, including ourselves, I mean, to some extent. And that is the ticket prices for to, for this weekend's game. A lot of people want to go to this game. A lot of people want to go to Ohio State games in general, but they're very expensive. What are your guys' thoughts on ticket prices for just sporting events in general? Do you guys think they're just way overpriced, or do you think that it actually makes sense? Like, for fans to have to pay that much, that that is how it should be. Like, what are your guys' thoughts on this? You want to go first, Jordan? You want me to go? Yeah, you go first. On this. Yeah, I don't know, man. I as, you, as it gets closer to the kickoff, I mean, prices will go down. But I know we looked this morning. I sent over a screenshot. The cheapest ticket right now is literally $400 in, like, the last row in C-deck. So you're, like, at the top of the shoe. I mean, the players are going to look like ants out there. I mean, granted, they have the big scoreboard, and you can see everything. But, I mean, at this rate – I think it's 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 insane. I mean, if you want a good ticket, you're gonna pay seven hundred to a thousand dollars, and it's like it's one game. It's kind of in, it's, they're already making a ton of money as it is. It, it's crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, you can it, for even the games against like Arkansas State and whatever East Jesus Tech, um, you're still paying like over a hundred dollars for a ticket. So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy, but. You know, I think that's the world we live in with the overinflation of everything. So with ticket prices and all that, I mean, it's just going to – that's just kind of how it is nowadays. But uh, personally, I, I prefer to sit in C-Deck, you know. Uh, being able to see all the uh, plays develop and, you know, just getting like an overtop view of everything I think is actually way cooler. So I'd rather sit in C-Deck, but I'm not paying $400 to sit in C-Deck. That's what I'm saying, dude. For like, I agree with you, Jordan. I I really do enjoy seeing everything develop. And I mean, obviously, you're paying for you're paying for the atmosphere at that rate. I mean, top five matchup. But like you said, even against the even against the lower competition, you're still paying hundred hundred fifty bucks for C deck tickets. It's it's yeah. It's I, I think I think for other universities and colleges, you're not paying as much to go to a game, but uh, being Ohio State, probably if not the largest fan base, like top top three largest college football fan bases. So, um, yeah, you're you're definitely going to be shelling out money. And then to top it off, you have Notre Dame, which is really not a far drive from Columbus. So, like they're probably also in a top like top three fan base. Uh, so you know that stadium's going to be packed out um, for that game night game season opener all that stuff but yeah i'm not i'm not paying you know a quarter of my paycheck to go see <laughs> to go i mean it's probably half my paycheck if i'm buying more than one ticket so hey man beer's cheaper at the house so yeah, yeah i'd rather you know i'm paying i'm going to watch it on tv so i might as well just stay home and also, yeah. like Zach put in here in the chat, Nick did get married this weekend, so he's joined the crew. Got me. Oh. <laughs> oh. 
was an awesome weekend. But I mean, Zach makes another good point here that he'd do like a hundred bucks for a ticket because he's never been to an Ohio State game. But you can't even get tickets for a hundred bucks. Yeah. Like that's that's the crazy part, kind of about all this is sporting events. Ticket prices have gone way up, and I get it is Ohio State Notre Dame. But it, but instead of sitting like probably in one of the worst areas of the shoe, I'd rather just watch it on the couch for free. Yeah, then I, I can I, see everything so much better. You're paying for it, TJ. You know, it's you're still paying for the cable and stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like my mom, she gets season tickets every year, and and they have two tickets for sale right now for Arkansas State, and she's like, yeah, they're two hundred dollars, and I was like, well, who's gonna pay two hundred dollars to go see Arkansas State? But that's oh, so you'd be surprised. It, well, that's that's face value. That's what they you have the ticket in hand. It says two hundred bucks on it. Oh wow! They have really good seats, but still, like for, for Arkansas State, like where they're gonna win by a hundred, it's like yeah, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's overall it really is ridiculous. And now we're gonna get into the team itself that the Buckeyes are playing this weekend. Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I mean, their schedule this year. We normally like to give a lot of a lot of crap to Notre Dame because they are normally very overrated, and there's a good chance that could be the case this year, but. They are playing a good amount of top teams this year. They're playing Clemson, Ohio State, BYU is in the top 25. They will be playing USC. Overall, I mean, they have a pretty pretty tough schedule this year, I would say. I mean, just thoughts on Notre Dame's schedule so far. Because normally we give them the, we give them the fact that they don't play anybody. But this year, that's definitely different, I would say. I think they're going to be one of those teams that by the end of the season, like, you know, you start the season, big top five matchup, and by the end of the season, you're going to look at it, and they're not even going to be ranked. Right. <laughs> BYU, like BYU, they're 25th right now. So, like, and, and they play them week six. So, I mean, even by week six, BYU might be out of the top 25. And, yeah, I think – I think this is going to be one of those things, though. Uh, it's going to be the same reason why Ohio State's favored by 17 and a half um, and why, you know, Notre Dame's probably not going to finish in the, in the top 25. And that's – they don't have, you know, the new quarterback, don't have their top receiver, um, a lot of a lot of changes, new head coach, all that stuff. Um, but, I mean, we'll see. Marcus Freeman's a dog. Yeah. He's a really good coach, so we'll see. We'll see where they're at, but um, just looking at the schedule, they do have some some tough competition. Mm-hmm. And then just looking at their their uh, schedule last year, they had some tough games, but the tough games they had were their worst games. They didn't play well against good competition last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so. We'll see, man. It's gonna be. It'll be an interesting, interesting to see how it plays out for Notre Dame. But yeah, you know, I mean, they're always gonna get preseason hype. So, always. And you kind of hit on it a little bit earlier with Marcus Freeman. What are you guys' thoughts on the first year head coach? It it is his first year as a college football coach. He's been at Notre Dame now for a couple of years. He was with Luke Fickle in Cincinnati. Former Buckeye, of course, really good uh, Buckeye linebacker, played with James Laurinaitis. I think Marcus Freeman's one of the top up-and-coming coaches in college football. For him to take this step this early, I don't know. But what are your guys' thoughts on him? Uh, it, it's a, uh, it was a hire from within for Notre Dame, and I can say a lot of people didn't want him to get hired as their head coach. So um, I think the fact that he won over the trust of the team um, mm-hmm. and it shows that he won over the trust of the organization itself. So everybody at Notre Dame really wanted him to get promoted to head coach. Yeah. And, and so they kind of blocked out a lot of the fan noise to make that decision, which um, – for them because they probably do have a really good head coach in Marcus Freeman now. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's going to be interesting. It's first time ever head coaching. So at any level. When I thought he was going to end up at Ohio State on our staff. I know mm-hmm. I, mean, I know there were rumblings that he was in the running to be the D coordinator this yeah. year. Yep. Yep. But we you were know. Goals, so um, which another 
this is kind of just a little off topic, but Notre Dame's last game was against Oklahoma State and Knowles as D coordinator. And they put up 35 against that defense, though. <laughs> put up 35 against us or against Knowles. So um, they, they have each other's numbers. So he knows what they're going to try to do offensively because um, not much is going to be, you know, they still have the same offensive coordinator as last year. Mm-hmm. So they're still going to be running the same offense. Um, but it was a shootout in the bowl game, in the Fiesta yeah. Bowl. I, I I like I like Marcus Freeman a lot, and like you said, Nick. I mean, it was rumored that he could have been the defensive coordinator that came here. I think Notre Dame promoted him. They didn't want to lose Marcus Freeman. I mean, he is one of the top top young coaches in college football. I think just the potential he has, but also their offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. They were trying very hard to keep a hold of him so they could pair him with Marcus Freeman. So I, I think it's a pretty good combination. I think overall, though, they do have a good portion that they're losing. They lost quarterback Jack Cohen to the NFL, running back Kyron, Kyron Williams, who had over 1,000 yards rushing and 14 touchdowns, Kevin Austin Jr. to the NFL, 888 yards, seven touchdowns. I mean, they have some pretty significant losses on both sides of the ball and on defense. You lose one of the best defensive players in the country, Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, and then it's going to be tough for him. Go ahead, drop that stat. Which particular oh, stat? Yeah, <laughs> I, I was. I looked up uh, prior to the show last year. The the Fighting Irish ranked 64th in the country with their secondary. So you got and uh, both both corners are back. Both starting corners are back, but they do lose that safety. So I mean. If I'm Marcus Freeman, I'm, I'm. I mean, you gotta act like you're confident, but in the in the back of your mind, you're thinking you're playing the probably the best receiving core in foot in college football. Week one, your your head coaching debut back in back in the shoe. So, I mean, yeah, that secondary definitely has some concerns, and I'm and I've read on a lot of Notre Dame fan pages that the secondary is of current of concern even to the fans themselves too. So. Uh, yeah, to see how they, they do. They lost one of the the top safeties uh, in the country, so that's not gonna that's not gonna help anything. No, <laughs> by any no, no. that's a huge hole to fill for any team. Um, and then, <laughs> and then the debut of of that new safety is gonna be against the top receiving core, if not in, ever in college football history. It's like we we lost two of our best players, but they re they reload so well. And we talked about it earlier on the first two podcasts. It was just or five stars all over mm-hmm. the field. So it'll it'll be fun. Um Stroud's definitely gonna be picking on that secondary early and often, as they like to say. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a lot of fun. They do replace Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton with Brandon Joseph. He transferred over from Northwestern. Um, he's he's a very solid player that they're getting at safety. His coverage was strong, 77.2 overall grade there. I, I think he's going to really help them at safety. They need it with losing Kyle Hamilton. I think there's no doubt. But the, some of the returning players that they have at key positions, I'm going to start off with one that they're more than likely not going to have on Saturday, and this is an absolutely huge loss if he doesn't play. And that is Jarrett Patterson. He is one of the top offensive linemen in the country. He actually came back this year, even though there was talk he was going to go to the NFL draft and be a mid-round draft pick. He ended up going back to college to possibly be a first-round pick. But he has a sprained foot, so not sure if he's going to play on Saturday. But we're going to start off with the additions, with the guys they're bringing back. But first off, they do have a huge loss. And they also will not be will be without Avery Davis, their returning wide receiver, statistically that led him in receiving yards. Talk about that loss. I mean, Ohio State secondary guys. We know that it was not very strong last year. It wasn't, and that was something I know a lot of us had a lot of complaints about. Notre Dame, they lose Kevin Austin. That's a big loss. But now you lose your your returning wide receiver Avery Davis. What are your guys' thoughts on that and how that's going to affect the game on Saturday? That's huge, man. I mean, Torres ACL and what was I think it was in practice. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. it's a ma- massive loss. I mean, 
the kid is, I mean, he, he's a stud. I mean, especially if you're bringing him back from last season. I mean, that that's just a big loss. And then, I mean, behind him, you don't have much experience. I mean, you got you, – you, as the depth chart lists right now, you have two starting sophomores and a fifth-year senior starting at your receiver positions. Now, granted, Notre Dame likes to run the ball a lot. They have a three-headed monster with their running backs, and their tight ends are always used. But, I mean, when you're starting two sophomore receivers, that's – I mean, you're just hoping they're ready to go right away, I guess. But, yeah, losing Avery Davis was huge. And as soon as word got out about that, a lot of chatter was going about who was going to replace him and whatnot. So, it'll be interesting to see how that affects the game. I know, uh, like I said, they're going to run the ball a lot, though. Yeah, I mean, in the Lineman Lounge, adds that Notre Dame is overrated per usual. Good thing we can put up a statement while they're still ranked high. Yeah. I don't disagree. I don't disagree that they're overrated. It's, it's going to be a, that by any a means. win. It's going to be a win that, in hindsight, doesn't look as good, but you yeah. know, it is a top five matchup. So, um, yeah, it's going to be like I said, they're probably not even going to be ranked by the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> a bold statement, JD. I'm that just, one is that one is bold because even if Notre Dame loses three games, maybe four, given the strength of their schedule right now, they could still end up top twenty-five. Because every time at the end of the year, you always see a four-loss, even sometimes a five-loss team at the very bottom. Yeah. So that yeah. that is a pretty that is a pretty bold statement, though. That is so a very I, bold statement, actually. I, I went and pulled up uh, AP preseason All-Americans again because I didn't look at it before this. Uh, Brandon Joseph, the safety, he is a second team uh, All American. So, That's so he he is solid. He's going to bring some secondary help that they're definitely going to be missing from Kyle Hamilton's departure. And then mm-hmm. uh, Jarrett Jarrett Patterson is a first team All American center. So if he doesn't play, He's that weird. is a huge loss because not only, not only is he a great player, but center is like you're the captain of the O line. You and him being like. Him being the you know senior return, fifth year returning senior, um, you know he, he, that would be a huge hole if he's not playing in that game. I say right now it looks like they got him. They have him listed as the left guard, which is really he can yeah. he can play guard center. Yeah. They move he can move around. He can play pretty much all interior offense. I'm just looking positions. at this depth chart that Notre Dame posted, and yeah, they they have him listed at left guard for right now, which is interesting. They have yeah, Zach, they have Zeke Cornell. He's a senior. Listed at center right now. Yeah, they right have the center on the All American list. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah he's a very good player, and it's it's a huge loss for Notre Dame if they don't have him, if they don't have him for this weekend. But one guy they are going to have this weekend, All Amer All American preseason All American watch list, Michael Mayer at tight end. This guy is an absolute stud, and it's really not a surprise. One thing Notre Dame has produced throughout the years is tight ends. Kyle Rudolph. Anthony Fasano. I mean, they just they continue to produce tight ends that end up yeah. making it to yeah. the NFL. Yeah. I mean, it's it's what they do. It's probably what they're known. If there's a position that they're known for, it is tight end. And Michael Mayer, Michael Mayer, 71 catches, 840 yards, seven touchdowns. This is the guy that you have got to, you're probably not gonna shut him down. You're just not. You've got to contain Michael Mayer. You just you cannot let him you cannot let him impact the game in a huge way for Notre Dame because he is in my opinion the best tight end in the country. I was say those are stellar numbers for a tight end, and he's only a junior, so that was as a sophomore last season that he put up those numbers. I mean, six four two fifty. He's a tank. I mean, that's a yeah. big kid. So yeah, I mean, like you said, best Notre Dame. That's what they do. They breed tight ends. It's crazy. That's dude's abs, dude's absolutely huge. I mean, Tyler Eifert, John Carlson, Irv Smith Jr. I mean, there have been so many just insane tight ends come from Notre Dame. I mean, that's the one position, no matter who's head coach, they always seem to have a really good tight end every single year. But on the other side, as far as on the offensive side of the ball, too, outside of Michael Mayer, you really don't have to worry about a lot, at least at the wide receiver position. Not a ton, at least in my book, but at the running back position, Nick, you kind of hit on it earlier. Notre Dame has a stable of running backs that they are going to rotate, and all of these guys can play. Chris Tyre, Chris Tyree, Logan Dibbs, 
Um, Audic, Steamy, I mean, these are all guys that are going to contribute for Notre Dame. And they don't – I don't know if they necessarily split even reps, but they like to keep them all fresh and going right at you the entire game. That's how they wear teams down is with that running game. Yeah, I mean, that Audic, Steamy kid, I'm looking – he's listed at six foot 230. That, that's a – Big. That's a big running back. <laughs> like, and then I mean, and then even Logan Diggs, six foot two fourteen. Then Chris, Chris Tyree, the smallest of the bunch, five nine one ninety seven. So I mean, that's still a little bowling ball running the ball. So mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, they got some good running backs, and they're young. But I mean, two backups are both sophomores. But they have Tyree listed as the starter. He's a junior, but mm-hmm. yeah, they're tough. Well, and keep in mind, too, I mean, they have this stable of running backs, and they lost Kyron Williams to the NFL, who ran for over 1,000 yards. I mean, good good on them. I mean, that's a great stable of running backs to have. It's always really good to have that depth, but they like to incorporate all of them. And on the defensive side of the ball, besides getting the Brandon Joseph transfer, which has been absolutely huge for them, they do bring back – Defensive end Isaiah Foskey. This is a guy that I wanted the Browns. To, he was actually one of my favorites. I wanted the Browns to draft. Did not happen. Uh, he decided to go back to school. But Isaiah Foskey is one. He, he could end up an All-American by the time this season's over. And I, I absolutely just love what he does. He has a 20.5% win rate. He had four hits on the quarterback, 11 sacks, 17 hurries last year. He's 6'5", 260 pounds, has length and athleticism. I mean, of course, these grades are according to Pro Football Focus, but, I mean, this guy is huge. He's the guy that will really set the tone for Notre Dame on that defensive side of the ball. And we know Ohio State has the best off offensive line in the country, or at least one of them, I would say. What are your guys' thoughts on, on Isaiah Foskey? I don't know a lot about him to be honest with you. <laughs> That's fair. I was gonna say I. I mean, just if you're looking at if you're looking at paper, I mean, he's a freak. I mean, six five two sixty. I mean, got length, got speed off the edge. I mean, eleven sacks last year. That's that's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, our tackles are gonna be having a run for their money. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. he's a great player. I, 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 I'm not kidding. When he returned, I was actually sad. I, I, I thought he would have been perfect. Learning from Miles Garrett, learning from Clowney, as, as two huge defensive ends in the NFL, and Foskey pretty much learning from them. Oh, it would have been a lot of fun. I mean, that's exactly what they did with Alex Wright, though. Don't get me wrong. Oh, oh, I love Alex Wright. Yeah. I, no, they just got a huge athletic dude. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's the guy from Notre Dame. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see Foskey doubled a couple times. I think you have to keep him. You have to keep him in check because he, he's going to impact the game. He's one of those guys that I think is just one of the more underrated players in the country. I don't believe he received any All American buzz, but he does have the talent and he has produced to where I think he deserves some of that. That's just personally how I feel about it. But I mean, overall with Notre Dame, some of their team rankings as we're kind of going into this weekend again this was last year but points per game they scored eight they were ranked 18th in points per game at 35.2 yards per game about 425 which ranked 42nd in the country point um where else do we want to go third that third down percentage this is always a huge one 37 37th in the country at 43.17 percent in red zone scoring they were 30th hmm it's gonna be One's going to be a little bit interesting. I know that also their defense last year was ranked 14th in the country. Now, again, they've lost Kyle Hamilton. Huge mm-hmm. loss. But I think really being able to bring back Isaiah Foskey is huge for them. I really do. I'll say overall, looking at their depth chart, I mean, it looks, I mean they got a lot of seniors flying around, a, lot, a couple fifth years. I mean, they definitely bring back experience defensively. Like you said, I mean, they gave up a lot of points last season against the teams that mattered the most. They gave up a lot of points against them. I mean, they almost lost to Florida State in the home in the in the opener. I mean, they they won and they had to pull out in overtime. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of insane, <laughs> but I, rem- I actually remember watching that game. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I want to touch on before we move past the the Notre Dame players. 
Um, I do want to touch on their quarterback. Um, so who's going to be playing quarterback for them this weekend? And that's uh, Tyler Buckner. And he uh, was in a competition with Jack Cohn last year for the starting job. Um, he, he got like a decent amount of playing time um, in garbage time. And um, I think he got a, uh, one or two starts in the year. But he's a really athletic guy, um, much more mobile in the pocket. So they're actually going to use him as like a roll him out. A lot of West Coast kind of offense, just try to get him out of the pocket uh, just to, you know, have Ohio State's defense um, on their toes a little bit more. But, you know, he's going to have to prove himself. Last year they thought he could win the starting job as a freshman, as a true freshman. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him this year, especially because their offense is very pro style. So just we'll see what they do, especially because they're missing their their number one receiver. And, you know, that hurts any quarterback, unless mm-hmm. you're a Ohio State quarterback and you got like five number ones. But <laughs> <laughs> Man, it, it is true, though. I mean, like, and, and the thing is, Jack, Jack Cohen was pretty – I mean, he was good for the Irish when he was there. So, I mean, he lost that starting job, but I don't think that's because he can't play. I just think – Jack Cohen was a transfer coming from Wisconsin at the time, graduate yeah, transfer. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think they were definitely leaning on the experience of Cohen last year more so than because they were they had hopes for a national championship. And, they you know, did, and so they, they, I think they kind of leaned on it. And he was he was good. He played solid for them. Mm-hmm. But I think Buckner's the guy they really hope takes that next step this year and can put them in position to make it to the college football playoff. So yeah, not saying he's going to be that guy, but um, it'll be interesting to see how he plays. It kind of reminds me of like Colt McCoy, Texas, kind of when, when Ohio State played him in Texas. You know, Texas had a really good team. Colt McCoy's coming in. He was a freshman. He was a true freshman, though, when we played them. But um, kind of like similar vibes – I'm getting here uh, with with reading about Tyler Buckner and what he brings to the table. I mean, the dude ran for like 1,200 yards in high school as a quarterback. So, so he's he's good. He he can he can make plays with his feet. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they use him, how the defense plays. There's new D coordinator, uh, new defense. So there's it's going to be a lot of things that are. It's going to be – I think it's going to be really rusty for both sides because, you know, it, it always is with that first game. And yeah. that first game, it's not always a big game. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how how both teams, uh, you know, tackle the adversity and and really – because every, everything's new, like new D coordinator for us, new head coach for them. So, yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited for – Football, it's finally here. So. I know, about time, yeah. right? And yeah, I mean, I'm reading like like George. I'm reading a little bit more about Buckner. It looks like I mean, they really brought him in for like the hurry up offense, and like they're trying to get a lot more QB reads and zone reads stuff like that. I mean, when Brian, I mean, and and he's a Brian Kelly recruit, so you know he likes his mobile quarterbacks. He likes his guys that can move a little bit and make the defense un- uncomfortable. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the more – the everything I read about this kid is that he's full of confidence and he's ready to play. So, it, it, it's going to be – it's going to be a test. I mean, not everyone can just walk into the shoe and, and win, unless you're Oregon, but, you know. We don't need to talk – we don't need to talk about that. We don't – that, that was – Yeah. <laughs> As we're moving on here, before we get into on the Ohio State side of things for Saturday – Oh, this is fun. Network 216 is now a proud partner of Homage. And, guys, we, we're wearing it. On, a lot of us are wearing it on the show here. Nick's got it. I got it on. If you guys J- – J.D., you got so, – well, yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't have his shirt yet. But, anyway, <laughs> guys, today they released the starter jackets are back. The old-school starter jackets with Homage are back. If you guys are looking Yay. to possibly purchase one – Go to the Network 216 Twitter account and click the link there in the description. But, again, a lot great gear with homage, and we're really proud to be a partner of them. 
As we transition over to Ohio State, JD, one of the guys that I think, and we, I think we can all agree, is a little bit of a sleeper for this weekend. We all know about Travion Henderson and CJ Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba. But Mayan Williams had a pretty good size role last year, even with Travion Henderson having the year that he did. Do you think that Mayan Williams is a guy, not just on Saturday, but this season is someone who might surprise a lot of people? Yeah, and so this was my choice as a player to, to watch out for uh, this weekend. Um, not only do we have Travion Henderson back there, but we also have Mayan Williams. And uh, last year, this was the guy that was getting the one snaps to start the year. Um, so Travion was the true freshman. They wanted to bring him along slowly. He obviously exploded on the scene and, and took the job. But but Williams, he rushed for 500 yards last year. He averaged seven yards a carry. Um, he had three touchdowns. And he, he only had 71 carries on the air. So he didn't get a whole lot of work once uh, Henderson started taking all the ones but i think he i think there's a really good chance this year that he he does a lot of spelling of henderson so um i think henderson's going to get a lot of work but they they started to divvy up a lot of the there was all the two reps so henderson was getting the majority one um but they started share between williams and t towards the end of the year. And now that Teague's gone, I think I think all those twos are going to Williams. He's a junior. Um, he's proven that he has the speed to, to, to break away, but he's also a very strong runner inside the tackles. Um, and I'm really excited to see how they use both of them because, because he's a weapon, but Henderson's just that much more of a weapon. Like, just that much more explosive, That, but... Henderson's a special dude, but uh, I think Williams is going to get a lot of action. So he's definitely going to be a player to watch. And especially after we uh, start blowing out Notre Dame in the third quarter, I think, I think he's going to come in the ball game and, you know, probably, probably get close to a hundred yards rushing in like the third and fourth. So, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) That's quite a bold prediction, man. We haven't even predicted scores of the game yet. All right. I think Very I think cool. he'll get I think he'll get a good amount of carries this year. Um, mm-hmm. and I think he'll be pushing close to eight hundred yards uh, by the end of the year rushing. So Ooh, okay. I, right. I, I I could see it. Hey, I have nothing against mine Williams personally. I just remember like last year all the times that he'd be in said Travion Henderson. I'm like, dude, Travion's hot, like give him the ball. Like I guess that's the only thing I have is like, man, I, I'm all about if you want to give Travion I mean, if you want to expel Mayan Williams, fine. But if Travion's on fire, man, you got to feed the hot hand. And I feel like sometimes Ryan Day, even Urban Meyer did it, they didn't necessarily do that. They like to rotate their running backs instead of going with the guy that seems to have the hot hand. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that's how it is this year. I do agree with you, though. I think in some of these games that Ohio State has bigger leads, Mayan Williams is going to get a lot of work. And I think that's – he's going to end up having a pretty good season. It just so happens that he's playing behind arguably one of the best running backs in the country. Preseason All-American, bro. Correct. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, Nick, as we're tra- as we're moving on here, a position that is kind of a concern for Ohio State, the Buckeyes lost Jeremy Rucker. How are they going to fill that void at the tight end position? Who do you think is going to fill that void this season? Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, as of right now, they have, I mean, I believe he's a senior already. A senior captain, Cade Stover, is going to be your starting tight end week one. At least that's what every depth chart I've read about. He's going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, looking at his grades from last season, he was mainly used as a pass blocker. I mean, mm-hmm. he, basically, he's the, he was that third third tight end, second tight end goal line sets he was coming in doing a lot of blocking i mean he really didn't have a lot of opportunities to really show what he can do offensively at least with route running and whatnot because you had jeremy Rucker. i mean yeah he was just he was your guy he was your tight end whenever you were throwing the ball and then it was a tight end play it was going to Rucker. there's no question about it but yeah i mean now right now you have stover 
you have E. Scott, who's a transitioning wide receiver to be a tight end, which, I mean, I'm sure right now he's listed as the fourth tight end, which is interesting to me. I mean, mm-hmm. just how much of an athlete that he is. But, I mean, I think Stove's going to have to step up a lot this year. I mean, he's a captain. Uh, from what I've ever, every report I've read about him, he, he's a phenomenal leader. I mean, he's just, this is how he is. But it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Cause I remember there was a couple times last season, there was some passes thrown his way and he didn't always come down with it. Or, I mean, contested throws, stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, I think he's going to, ever since he's been to Ohio State, there's just been constant chatter about, they're just waiting for him to break through, waiting for him to break through. And I mean, this could be his year this year. I mean, I know last, I mean, last season in the Rose Bowl, he, he showed some flurries on defense. I mean, he was a big reason why the Buckeyes won that game just because of how he played defensively. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see him go two ways a little bit this season, just mm-hmm. to, just to see how it's going. But I mean, tight end wise, he's, he's going to be the guy and he's going to have to step up, I think. And I was thinking about it earlier when TJ was talking about Foskey being the, the hammer on defense. Cade's going to have to be the guy that's one-on-one on the edge with them. So yeah. it's he's going to be a big factor blocking this game. Um, and in the season, as the season goes, we're going to see how his hands are because yeah. we haven't really gotten to see it yet. Um, I think he had like a sick one-handed catch in a – Scarlet and Gray game or whatever a couple of years ago, and it was out yep. of bounds. But he hasn't really made any like huge catches in a game yet. So you got you got G Scott right behind him, and we know he's got some some hands and some speed. So we'll see how they use those two. Uh, whether it's Cade's on first, second down, bringing Scott for third, passing down kind of thing. So I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting. To see. Overall, for I was looking at his grades from last season. He right. He I mean he graded out at seventy three, well seventy two point nine, pass blocking over the whole season last year. So I mean that's I mean that's pretty solid for a tight end. Yeah, I, I wonder I, how Rucker did blocking. I'm really curious about G Scott being the fourth tight end. I, I get again. It, it's it's early too. I don't know how much it's going to change. Gee, Scott being the fourth tight end to me, it really surprised. I figured he'd actually – he could be higher up on this depth sure. chart and he would be the one that would steal some reps away from Cade because G. Scott's a, for, a transitioning from the wide receiver position. I feel like he'd be a guy that could come right in and step in and make some plays, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, you also have Mitch Rossi. I mean, he's a senior, Joy Royer. I can honestly tell you guys I don't really know much outside of Cade being a tight end. And G. Scott being there, I don't. The other guys, I really don't know. I know that Mitch Rossi played some fullback when the Brown when um wow, host the Browns podcast. So my bad. Sometimes uh, <laughs> mention the Browns a little bit, but uh, when we would go with a fullback in the backfield, Rossi would be the fullback. So it looks like they're going to have him lining up a lot more at tight end this year too. Well, I don't uh, know. Tight end does worry me though. I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah, yes. and, and Scott is a very short tight end. He's only six two. So, yeah. so like most tight ends, like record six six, Stover six six. Um, I think the other two guys are like six five, six four. So like he's he's the shortest tight end on the roster. Because um, he was a receiver. <laughs> yeah, because he's a receiver. But because of how loaded that receiver room is, they're trying to find ways to get him onto the field. Because uh, I'm pretty sure he was a five star wide receiver. Yeah, probably. I think I think he was a four. I think he was a four. Well, and JD, and to, and to answer your question about Ruckert's pass block grade from last season, fifty point three. So Stover was actually the best tight end blocker on the team. That's yeah. But, and and those were the two guys that would be on the field the most. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's that's a, yeah that, I mean, that's that's a really good point. Yeah. Again, the tight end position is one to, to worry about, I would say. Now, as we're moving on here, I think a guy that is a sleeper for me, not just this weekend, but this season, I think that's – I'm going to go um, with Sonny, um, Sonny Styles. I, I think coming in as a freshman, this is a guy who actually came in a year early 
I know that the coaching staff has raved about him. He also gets to go against his brother <laughs> this weekend. How would you guys feel about George, um, JDU more so since you're the one that actually does have a brother? Um, what would it be like, man, getting to play against your brother in a college football game? Your first game as an Ohio State Buckeye, you're playing against your brother. Yeah, I I couldn't imagine that, especially in the horseshoe, 100,000 screaming fans. Um, but, yes, you know, Lorenzo Styles, the wide receiver for Notre Dame, he's going to be the guy this year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they, they match him up. He, and, and we were talking about it earlier. I don't, I don't know how much – Sonny's going to get on the field um, because he's a true freshman. And he's – what did I say? So he reclassed. He was, he's supposed to be a high school senior. And he's a five-star. He was he was the guy. Um, he was like a top, top three player in Ohio. Uh, just an absolute beast. And they, they brought him in. He's been lining it up in camp. So – he might, he might see the field. I haven't, I haven't read anything saying that um, if he's going to be the starter or whatnot. But they have Ronnie Hickman back there, who's the leading tackler for the team, um, playing safety. I think Proctor will he be back for Week One? Yeah, I think Proctor. I know he suffered that compound fracture last season. Yeah, I think he's. I, gonna... I, he's. I believe he is supposed to be back. Yeah. Yeah. So you know. It, with uh with Proctor and Hickman back there, we'll see how much playing time he gets. But you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they let him on the field just because of how good he's been playing and because of the fact he will get to play against his brother. So I think that'd be pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, going back to Sunday, he obviously did reclassify to join early, but I think it's a situation like with JT as well because JT did that as a five star coming out. Sonny is going to get some playing time. I, wh- whether it's Saturday, we'll see. I, I think I think playing against his brother, they're definitely going to try and get him in if they can. But I, I think he's going to make an impact this year. He's going to be like JT last year. I think he's going to come in. I think he's going to make an impact this year. Maybe not like huge, but I, I think we'll hear his name called a couple times this year. And as we're kind of moving on here, guys, what are your keys to this game? What does – what has to happen on Saturday for Ohio State to come out with a win? Hmm. I think for me, I think for, I think for me on the offensive side of the ball, just control the tempo. We we talk about it a lot in college football. The team that controls the tempo normally is the team that wins the game. You have to come out, gotta be efficient on offense early. The last thing you want is Notre Dame to score first and get momentum going and go, going. You don't want them to get confidence at the shoe. It's a night game. You're opening up week one against a top five opponent. The last thing you want to do is give a new quarterback making his first start confidence. So I think you have to come out early. You have to be efficient. C.J. Stroud doesn't need to do anything special. He just needs to let the game come to to him. He's got the best weapons in college football, arguably. Just let the game come to him, and you just have to start, start off and just control the tempo. Yeah, man, it's going to be that defense. I mean, if that defense can come out and set set the tone right away, I mean, even special teams. I mean, that opening kickoff, if, if Notre Dame, I mean, granted, it'll probably be a touchback since that's why I feel like I feel like the return game is just non-existent anymore. But, no, I mean, if that defense comes out and can set the tone early, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. They're, they're going to be pinning their ears back. They're going to be coming after this kid to try to rattle him early. Uh, I mean, Notre Dame's going to have to run the ball a lot. So, I mean, in the past, the, in the last couple of seasons, the, the Buckeyes' defense has been questionable at times. So, And then also it'll be a game of adjustments as well. I mean, if things are kind of going bad in that first half, they're going to have to make adjustments and and see see what happens. But like you said, TJ, I think if, if CJ can come in, just control the tempo, control the pace of the game, it'll be just fine. Yeah, and I think it's going to come down to the to the trenches. Mm-hmm. It's going to come down to who can win the line of scrimmage, and that's on both sides of the ball, right? You're going to have to have the offensive line uh, giving Stroud time to throw the ball, number one. First and foremost, like the key to the game is going to be Stroud, airing it out, 
you know, with all those wide receivers, with the weak secondary in Notre Dame, it's going to be a really big factor early. Um, and then on defense, not letting them get those those running backs going, um, getting penetration through the line to get to the quarterback, and like you said, just making sure they can't establish a tempo offensively. So I think it's going to come down to offense and defensive line just doing their thing, um, being sound in their in their fundamentals, and and hopefully that just leads to a blowout by the third quarter, and then we can put in Mayan Williams and. <laughs> Where he can get his 100-yard quarter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, heck, I, mean, I know I mean, Buckeyes are favored by 17 and a half. Man. That's a lot of – I mean, that's I don't lot. know about you. That's a lot of points, man. Right. That's a ridiculous amount of points. For a top, for five, for a top five matchup, that's a lot of points. <laughs> yeah, I sent it to you guys. I was shocked. Yeah. I, was like, I thought it was going to be like seven and a half. Well, and I, I saw – I don't know. Did you guys see Marcus Freeman's quote about it? Do you have it pulled up? Uh, I think he said – oh, yeah. I mean, he basically – I mean, and just an overview, he basically said that, yeah, I heard about that. We're going to take it to team meetings. And, well, I mean, they're basically – they're going to use that as, like, fuel, obviously. I mean, when you come in at 17.5-point underdogs and you're fifth in the country, I mean, that – that's kind of insane. That's also a huge testament to what this Ohio State offense is primed to do. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was talking to my dad. He's like, yeah, they're going to score 60 points a game. I'm like, I mean, I don't know about 60, but, I, I mean, I can uh, – 40 to 50 yeah. I think is not out of the question. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, was saying, I was saying like a good benchmark for this game would be like if Ohio State could score over 30, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think they're going to have any problems. I think – I think Stroud's gonna go out there and just chuck it. So it'll it'll be really intriguing to see how how the defense plays though. That's like that's my big what if like how how is the defense gonna play? How's Knowles gonna run this defense? Because like oh man, like the last couple of years I've just been uh, so frustrating to watch. Because we have all this talent, and we're still just giving up so many points. So you just see guys out of position, like out everywhere, of and we're like, and we're watching it on TV, and we're like, they're running the same play over yeah. and over again, and they just keep getting, they just keep getting gashed. I mean, it is, it, yeah, like I think you hit it right on the head. It's just been extremely frustrating with the amount of talent that these guys just bring in every season. It's like, there's no reason your your team should be giving up that many points. Hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with that. The defense for me is the biggest worry. I mean, I think Jim Knowles knows what he's doing, and that that's what's really good. I think Kerry Combs, that was just a terrible situation. That, that whole situation just wasn't good, and then there was just no adjustments ever made. It was very worrisome, but I think we finally have a defensive coordinator that's going to end up making some really smart decisions for us. That being said, game predictions for week one. Notre Dame comes to the shoe, 7.30 kickoff. Top five matchup, where are you guys at? What do you think the final score is going to be? Who wins the game? Well, it's going to be Ohio State winning the game. Um, I don't think there's any – I don't think there's really any chance that Notre Dame can stick with the offense of Ohio State. Um, my prediction, 42-17. Uh, you know, Stroud five touchdowns. Travion's gonna get some some tutties. So yeah, 42-17. It's my final. Yeah, I was kind of I was thinking I was thinking 49-24. I think it's I think there's gonna be a lot of points. Uh just figuring out what works on the defense against someone else other than yourselves. I mean now to be fair, that defense is going against the best offense in the country, arguably. So, I mean, they're seeing it every day. I mean, and from what from camp, I mean, the offense has been saying that they've been flying around. There's energy around this defense like they haven't had in a while. So, I, mean, I still think Notre Dame, they're, they're going to score some points. I mean, there's going to be some breakdowns. I mean, once they get out on the big stage under those lights, I mean, there's going to be some, some nerves, I'm sure. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think Buckeyes 49-24. Mm-hmm. I think for this one, 
I, I do think that Ohio State will pull away. I also think they're going to end up giving up some points in this game. I just think Notre Dame, is they are a solid team. I don't think they can hang with Ohio State, especially on offense with a first year, with a first-year quarterback that they have. They've lost a lot on the offensive side of the ball. If Patterson is indeed not playing, it's absolutely a huge loss for Notre Dame. But I think I think forty I think forty two twenty seven. I don't I don't I just don't think they're gonna get that seventeen point cushion. I, I don't think so. I, I think it's gonna be a little bit closer than we think. That's just I think Ryan Day Brian Day's gonna push to cover the spread. Oh yeah. Ryan Day loves covering the spread. He does, dude. He does. If he can hang a hundred on him, he's gonna try. He's gonna. Oh, absolutely, absolutely agree with that. Well, guys, as we wrap up the show, we're gonna have some fun. Uh, We're gonna predict the rest of the Buckeye season. This actually might be a lot easier than than I thought, but we're gonna predict the Brown season. Uh, Man, we're gonna pick the Ohio State schedule here. So. Here it is right in front of you. Notre Dame, Arkansas State, Toledo, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Michigan State, Iowa, Penn State, Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland, and, of course, that team up north. You guys are seeing the schedule here. How do you think the Buckeyes do this year? Where do we where do we finish in the Big Ten? Where do you think – do you think we're in the college football playoff? Whoever wants to go first, feel free. Man, I hate predicting – <laughs> Same. I, I hate it. I hate because, like, I could, I, I could sit here as an Ohio State fan and say, yeah, we're going to go undefeated every yeah, year. Man. But you always know there's going to be one game in this, yep. in this, whether it's Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Maryland, Michigan. Like, one of these teams is going to give us a run for our mm-hmm. money. And we don't know who it's – it could be Notre Dame. Like, we don't know. So, like – I'm not going to sit, sit here and say we're going to go undefeated, but I will say the expectations this year, national championship, everybody's picking us to win it this year. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Uh, every, I was I've seen Alabama and us in pretty much every championship prediction. Ever and it's just, it's just the talent. I think Ohio State's starting to pull away with, from a lot of these teams. So, like, yeah. Georgia's still really talented, but they have a lot of question marks offensively. Um and they just lost like their entire defense to the NFL. So um, they're going to be interesting. But yeah, with Ohio State, Alabama, it's going to be. I would say I would say national championship undefeated. If if I if I had to just look at the schedule and really like sit down and and digest it. Um, but Michigan's Michigan scares me, man. They're only yeah. They beat us last year. Mm-hmm. And now, dude, I think the two games that worry me the most, I can't believe I'm saying this. I mean, at Penn State, I mean, Penn State could be Owen, whatever, going into that game. But you have, when you have to go to Happy Valley, it's Halloween weekend. You know, it's going to be a night game. You know, they're going to wipe the place out. I mean, that environment just gets insane for Ohio State, Penn State games. Penn State worries me and low key. Maryland kind of makes me nervous because you're playing them right before the team up north. Mm. You kind of you might be like looking ahead already. And Maryland in the past has given us some issues the last couple of years. I mean, they're definitely getting better. I mean, I, I, I don't think they're going to beat us, but I think they could give us more of a game than we think just because of the next game, especially for undefeated going into Maryland. You're already thinking, all right, we're going to go and just roll Maryland. We're not even really worried about them as much. We're going to beat the team up north, and then we're going to the Big Ten Championship, whatever. Yeah, I think Maryland could give us a run, and Penn State always that, – that game is always a huge question mark to me. At least at least we don't have to go play at Purdue this year because we never win there. So <laughs> that's always nice that we don't have to go over there and play. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking at Michigan's schedule right now, and – their schedule is softer than two ply, my boys. They don't really have a game until they don't have a game that's going to be a top fifteen matchup right now. So, like I said, it could shift around by the time they play it. But to start their season, their first eight games are against unranked, and then they play 
at home against Michigan State, who's ranked 15th, and then they don't play another ranked opponent until us at the end of the season. That's right now. Like, like I said, the, the rankings can shift around and stuff, but there's a really good chance Ohio State, Michigan, undefeated, winner goes to college football playoff, like it, it, like Big Ten championship or whatever, mm-hmm. um, like it was last year. So it's going to be <laughs> – it will be interesting. But, yeah, they, they're uh, Colorado State, Hawaii, Yukon, Maryland, at Iowa, at Indiana, at home against Penn State, and then they're at home against Michigan State. And then Rutgers, Nebraska, Illinois, Ohio State. So what's your record prediction? For Michigan? No, no, overall, like what, what are you oh, saying? Ohio we're going to go. Is? We're going to go undefeated. Yeah, 12-0. Yeah, mm-hmm. undefeated. Then we're gonna win the Big Ten championship because whoever's gonna make it out of that side is not gonna be good. Yeah, it'll probably be. I mean, Iowa. I mean, Iowa, Wisconsin. And yeah. Then, uh, and then we're gonna be in the college football playoff, but at that point, who knows who's gonna be in it? Yeah. So, just gotta make it the playoff. I, I, I've studied this a couple. I've looked at this a couple times, and I just, I want to say we're going to go undefeated so badly. I, I really do. I, you, can't, you can't. They're always a game, though. Like that's what I was saying. About. There's always, always a trap game. game. There's always a game, and it's it's always how college football has been, where. If you lose earlier in the season, it's better, better for you than yes. to lose later on. And it's it sucks that it's that way. It's why there should be an eight or sixteen team playoff. But um, the the honestly the best time for us to lose would be this weekend. As annoying as that would be, and how much we would be pissed off, dude, we would cry. We would be very disappointed. <laughs> this podcast would not be very fun next week, but uh, the best time for us to lose is this weekend. So just because we can finish the, the season out, be 11-1, and one, still make the Big Ten Championship, and still go to college football playoff. But that's just how college football is. It sucks, but – we're still going undefeated. I I, I feel like we're going to lose one game. I, I just – I do. I, and then I think we're going to run the table and end up making the college football playoff after we beat that team up north to end the year and win the Big Ten championship. Because I, I think we get in – I think we get in the college football playoff with one loss. If I had to guess right now in the schedule where I would put that one loss, Penn State's always, again, that whiteout. I think I think as of right now, I would put the loss at Penn State. If if I have to give us one loss because I do think we'll lose one game, I think it's at Penn State. Wide out night game. To me, I think, but I but I do think we're gonna we're gonna win out the rest of the way. We'll we'll win the Big Ten. We'll win the Big Ten championship at, and we'll beat that team up north at home. I think the so only I think good we'll end up making yeah. the college football playoff. The only good thing about Michigan's schedule albeit it is soft. It is very soft. Um, if they're undefeated and we play them, they're going to be top five. So yep. us beating them would be huge. That would be huge. And not only will they be top five, they'll probably be top three, top two. It will be like another scenario when the Buckeyes won it. I mean, it'll be the same setup. I mean, Michigan's all high and mighty, the best defense in the country, and then we hang 60 on them. It's There's like- a really good chance we have like a 2-3, two, 2-4 two, matchup this year. Mm-hmm. So it'll be, it'll be, be another, another rivalry game for the for the ages, right? I'm so glad the rivalry's back. I just hate losing to this. We have, like our buddy Dustin keeps saying, Ohio State hasn't beaten the team up north in over a thousand days. Yeah, well, he can suck. The, <laughs> the thing is, the, the thing is, though, he's not wrong because I mean that's the reality right now. That's why that yeah, changes the, this year. Yeah, but whatever. <laughs> They also didn't want to play us during COVID. They chickened out. Yeah. This is true. Yeah, they didn't want to play us. They were going to get smacked. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you, everyone, that tuned into this episode of Scarlet and Gray Podcast. Before before we let you guys go, remember, right now, Best Ball Mania 3 with Underdog Fantasy, you only have less than a week and a half to enter for a chance to win $10 million. Use code 216 first deposit up to $100. And tune in right now, right after our show, Down with the Browns is live to get you ready for the regular season. So tune in here on the Network 216 Twitch channel. This has been the Scarlet and Gray Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in, and go Bucks. Go Bucks.